At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by the fans. That's right, you. You there, sitting there listening to this show about the Rangers. You. It's brought to you by you. Go to Patreon.com. Splash Blue Shirts Breakaway today. Get access to our BSB OTs, our Discord, ad-free episodes, and more. So on today's show, we have Molly Walker. Ever heard of her? From the New York Post. Very fun episode. Uh, Greg and I talk about maybe not panicking just yet, despite some panicking signs. And look forward to Rivalry Week with the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team we love so much. So without further ado, let's get to our dear friend, Mark Messier, and also... High School Musicals, I think. Okay, here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans. Welcome. To another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway, I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan, and we cover the New York Rangers every single week. Greg, say hello. We're covering high school drama productions today. Is we're that changing, true? Oh, God, yeah. Is that what, is Ryan Lindgren the director? Where is that where he's no, been no. at? I, okay. uh, so I saw The Wizard of Oz on Friday with a friend of ours from college. Okay. Okay, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was... I have... I. I think the the true hidden gem of high form entertainment. It's not streaming services. It's not prestige TV. It's not movies. Ryan, it is it's high, high school, school musical. Drama. Yes, <laughs> yes. I I I saw that Wizard of Oz. I, I I'm. It was eye opening. Uh, I now have tickets to see Chicago oh in Whitehall. Chicago, and I'm seeing. Uh, I believe Boston Spa is doing Mean Girls. Wow. Uh, I mean, one of the districts, I, I'm actually upset I didn't d- discover this earlier. One of the districts last fall did Clue. I would kill to see Clue on a high school stage. We'll talk much about your job, but you do work with these places, so make sure that you're not extra creepy in this situation. So well, I, 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 I work in school districts. I don't work in Whitehall or Boston Spa. <laughs> I, think, I think it's Holy important shit. for me to say that. And the friend I'm going with does not work in schools at all, but she works in the PR world, and we think there's just marketing galore here that we need to do. There are also I, – I, there are three school districts in the greater capital region doing The Adams Family, which I have to imagine is simply because of is that this, Netflix show. Is this a hidden economy we're not exploiting? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we, we, that, Ryan, all I'm, all I'm saying is I'm just saying. I, but I, I just – I know oh, the story shit. of Chicago. I've seen that movie. Mm-hmm. That is content that should not be on a high school stage. So I've never been more excited. I, I, that's why I said Chicago with big question marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the way some, in. Very excited. Thoughts. Not this weekend, next weekend. Anyone wants to come, come on down. Since we last left our dear Ranger friends. Um, <laughs> what what high school play do you think the Rangers could best do? Uh, Into the Woods. Ooh. I think that's pretty good. There's a lot. There's so many little narratives with the Rangers. You could fit a lot there. 
Interesting. Former Rangers score against them. It's a. I would have said the unsinkable Molly Brown. I don't know that one. I don't know the. I know the premise. Okay. Molly was, Brown was the lady on the Titanic and the other ship that blew up, and she couldn't. She survived both somehow. Got it. Full disclosure: I did backstage crew in high school, so I did help. Build that the checks out yep. so much. Yes, it does. Yes, yeah. it does. I did sports radio in high school. And I do sports radio now. <laughs> uh, since la- last now month, I'm upset that I didn't do it because it just it seems so fucking ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah, I built the barricade for Les Miserables. Uh, wow, it was it's not hard to build a barricade, man. It's just no, no, it was shit not. that gets thrown out it a was, window. It was like put a two by four on, uh, painted black, and then <laughs> is this our second straight episode, including the OT, where Les Mis has been brought up? I think so. Wow. Wow. Oh, Look at us. us. Okay. Look, who would have thought? <laughs> Number one Ranger podcast. Get out That's, of the way. So what I'm saying is I would like to direct a high school musical. Exactly. Uh, Rangers, the high school musical. I think I think we have our summer projects. There you go. What if if we can get the stage rights to that Lifetime movie? Oh, man. With Coop? Coop Cooperton? <laughs> <laughs> He's a defenseman. They play the Sharks in the finals. Um, boy. All right. The last three games the Rangers have gone to overtime. Oh, you they don't played... want to talk High School Musicals anymore? I don't yet? think I've, I think we've done four minutes on High School Musical. I think, I, think I, I can do another 26. <laughs> I promise 30 minutes. I, I promise th- that we'll do a High School Musical episode in the summer. I'm convinced I could have been a great lion in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that hits home so fucking hard, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. I, I think I would have crushed it as I think the I fit the Dorothy lion. persona. So, you? Yeah, just a little tap no. my heels. No, you're okay, more no, of a Toto. Into that? Okay. Yeah, you're more of a Toto. Uh, Someone puts a you in a basket, carries Fuck. you around. Fuck, I am more of a Toto. Shit. Yeah, and you're the whole reason why the play technically happens, because you bit someone. That's yeah, like that's, that's you in a nutshell, man. Sounds like me. Put your takeaways. mouth where it shouldn't be. Yeah, Wizard wasn't real, everybody. Okay. Five, four, three straight overtime games. <laughs> three of them. <laughs> three of them. Get your ass kicked by the Bruins. Hardly beat the Canadians. Somehow beat the Sabers. Penguins beat beat you in overtime thanks to uh, a, a simple trip by Tim Panarin that I'm not too upset about. Just something you can't do in that situation. Uh, this Ranger team, we talked to Molly Walker later about this, is coming together. They're still figuring things out. It's been three games uh, with well, quote unquote full lineup, aka a full hockey team, and they're still waiting on Ryan Lindgren, who I believe will return this week. Greg, has there been any serious takeaway other than this Ranger team finds a way, no matter what time of the season it's been for the last two years, no matter how miserable they look, no matter how terrible they look on the ice, defensively or otherwise, they somehow stick in games. And I think that's sort of their identity, and it's something I enjoy, but there is a lot of frustration if you're sitting at home. And I understand why you've watched this team who went 19-4-2, what was it, over like some insane stretch, where they were just winning games over and over again, looked unstoppable and the boys the men line looked unstoppable and now everything kind of looks flat and they're finding a way still the more i think about it i think gerard gallant makes a perfect wizard because he's kind of a fraud right <laughs> tomorrow behind the freaking <laughs> curtain yeah uh is rot just p- placing every ranger as a character in the wizard of oz i think we can do i'm in do, i can do, we can do all plays all broadway plays i think that I, I think no i think we should go play by play because Oz is not enough. How many? Like, there's not enough characters. We there's can none. fit. We can make some. There are a lot of like fucking. <laughs> there was a coroner in the Wizard of Oz. Did you know that someone plays a coroner in the Wizard of Oz? I did not know this. There are some dark parts of that place. 
Uh, anyway, the New York Rangers is, was that the question? <laughs> um, I uh, yeah. I, I don't know. The Rangers I, is what we're talking about? Yeah. I I think my frustration is the amount of panic we are currently witnessing. Not I don't think from us. I think you and I. I hate when this happens. This happened with David Quinn, where we somehow became Quinn defenders, and I feel like we. Uh, we got labeled as guys who turned on Gerard Gallant pretty early, um, and now I think oh, we we're, we're we're getting like whatever the opposite of an alarmist is. I think you and I get labeled as that because you you take one look at the timeline, you you it would seem like the Rangers are the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, that they are on the verge of falling out of the playoffs, and that everything has gone to shit. Whereas for me, this is now. Molly brings this up, and I think it's a point that, you know, we doesn't get talked about enough, probably. Um, the Penguins game was the second game ever that the Rangers have played the 12 forwards they would like to carry into this year's playoffs. Just the second. And those 12 forwards are yet to play a single game with the defensive core the Rangers would like to bring into the playoffs. And Adam Fox has not played with Ryan Lindgren now in a couple of games. But furthermore, the Seven. Rangers, before this stretch of three, so this two-game stretch where the Rangers finally have 12 forwards that they like, great, cool. They're, they're not playing well, but that's two games against two pretty good teams. And then you go back, It was this is only like the third time in the last nine games the Rangers have dressed 18 skaters which is ridiculous when you frame it that way. I don't know. I just, I wish I could come on this podcast and say that I'm scared, say that I'm worried, say that X, Y, and Z is a huge problem, say that the Rangers need to get their shit together or else something bad's going to happen. But for me, honestly, it's, it's fucking relax. I, I don't know. I think everything's going to work out. I really do. I, I, I have a high confidence that the New York Rangers, as Bad as they've looked through periods, and I think this is now four straight games in which the Rangers have had zero time spent in regulation with the lead. But during that four-game stretch, the Rangers have also taken five of the possible eight points. I wish I could tell you that you should be panicked, you should be worried, you should be freaking out. But quite frankly, I don't know. I think I this team's it. pretty good, and I think it, the, the cream's going to rise to the top before we get to the playoffs. I... I could, it's not that I could be less worried. I just, I think being worried right now is just, it's overblown. It, it, it's, it would be like shock jock radio. It would be me telling you if, something if, just yeah. to get the reaction. If the Rangers look like this, and this by the time you listen to the next episode could change because Capitals, Penguins, Penguins is stupid. And if the Rangers get absolutely housed in all three of those games, Greg will come on. Greg and I will come on here next week and be a little bit more alarmist. I think that's fair to say. Especially yeah, if the Rangers, because if the Rangers go zero and three and fail to have a lead at any versus, point in regulation, yeah, I'll, I'll then be worried. I think. Yep. Agreed. And that the game against the Penguins feels like the first game. It was kind of like, hey, wake up! This is a serious series. You might not see the Pittsburgh Penguins in the playoffs, but these guys hate you and it's going to be playoff type hockey. And I think you saw the, what one of the reasons why they signed Vincent Trocek and one of the reasons why they made Truba captain in that game, which was Trocek got up 
after getting hit. He hit Malkin first. Totally clean. Totally clean. Then Malkin comes up and cross-checks him from behind. Missed by the ref. Vinny gets up very slow. Like, pans towards the camera. Big smile. And, to be honest, goes back and I think has a little bit of... Tiny, tiny bit. Like, if it was against my team, I would have been pissed off. Definitely takes an elbow to the back of, of Malkin. And is not called. Uh, which is fine. It happens. Uh, but, at the same time, that's the player we, that you and I disliked in Carolina. That's the impact he could have. And he he helped turn that game around. Also, on top of that, Jacob Truba laid a clean hit and got a penalty for the team. And it's funny because I thought the first half of the season, it was kind of like, Jacob Truba, he's the whipping boy. He's got to get his shit together. And I think over the past three or four weeks, Truba's been adequate or better than that. And that's the, the type of hit he laid in that game and the impact he can have on drawing a penalty and frustrating another team to get to the level of, I don't know, incompetency in terms of freaking out. And the, what he causes in chaos is what makes Jacob Truba special in the playoffs. And you're seeing that now. And those are the, this is the type of game that the Rangers, I think, for the most part, when the chemistry comes, are going to dominate and win. They had plenty of chances to win that game. Chris Kreider went back door. There was plenty of saves that was like, I cannot believe they actually made that save. And listen, if they play that game 100 times, I think the Rangers win, what, 70, 75 of it? And, and they'll figure it out. So right now you're, you're finally seeing the Rangers get into playoff shape and form, which is what we've kind of been waiting for all year long. Well, I, I think for me, it's more of just a diagnosis of what the big issues are for the Rangers right now. And if the, if the big issues weren't something that I thought could be internally corrected, then I'd, I'd probably be more worried. But I, I, what, what's the biggest concern? Chief number one is probably scoring at five on five again. It, it seems to be the thing the Rangers haven't been able to do consistently the last couple of games. And I got to tell you, if you can't score at five on five with these 12 forwards and Adam Fox and Keandre Miller and even Jacob Truba, then you're just fucking you're not scoring. going to like, I, I then like, it's something I, else. Yeah. It's I, I don't, if my issue, I, yes, I do think the defensive system, the New York Rangers have been playing the last few games has been horrid. And some of that I'd say 85% of it has to fall on the shoulders of the forwards, not chipping in and doing their part in the defensive zone, but these things are also solvable. One, no Ryan Lindgren, who is a huge linchpin for this team and what they do in terms of defensive identity. And then two, it's the simple fact that, like, yes, most of these guys have been here the majority of the year, and yes, it's almost been a full month for Tarasenko being here at this point, but Patrick Kane not only isn't the world's greatest defender, but you're asking forwards to adjust their games to his play style. And Kane has to adjust his style to the play style of his line mates. That shit just is not going to happen in two practices in three games. It's not, it's going to take a minute. It's we talk about chemistry and line cohesion and, and, and all this stuff throughout the year. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I've seen Patrick Kane for three games. And he fucking sucks. I'm like, Jay, I, I don't know. Like, if you want a reason to hate Patrick Kane, Lord knows there are plenty. But I, I like, I don't know. I need more time before I raise an alarm as ter- in terms of what I think this forward group can and can't do. I, yeah, there have been times where Kane specifically and Panarin specifically have been fucking toasted on the ice when they have had to do something defensively. At the same time, yeah, Ivo Shosturkin and Yaro Halak are playing great. They've looked and, like, totally exposed at some points. Yeah, totally but, exposed. you know, 
when you have, usually you're going to be able to outscore your problems. Again, when you have Panarin, Kane, Tarasenko, Zibanejad, Kreider, Trocek, all the kids. Even the fourth line is, the, uh, to go back to a point that you and I have said multiple times, the 12th forward on the New York Rangers currently is the most talented 12th forward we've ever had the privilege of talking about in the eight years now that we've been doing this podcast. There is no question that these 12 guys are as highly skilled. As one is. Who's the 12th most talented forward? I would probably Tyler Mott, Barclay Goodrow, one of them. It's probably one of them too. Yeah, that, that guy, you, you pluck this guy, put him on the last playoff team before this run, going back to the, to the AV days. Barclay Goodrow would have been like the eighth most important Ranger on those teams, probably higher than that. And he is the last dude on this team. I have total confidence that the Rangers are going to click, and when it clicks, it's going to be electric. They are not clicking right now. It's an extended stretch in which they haven't been clicking, and yet during this lull that the New York Rangers have been stuck in, they have a six-point advantage on a Pittsburgh Penguin team who they are playing twice more this week, both games at the Garden, mind you, and oh, by the way, I think the Rangers also have a game in hand on them. So I, I don't know. I think if you're, if you're that scared and that nervous, then just watch college basketball this week. Take a week off. Do something else. I, I don't know. I wish, I, I truly wish that I can sound an alarm and be upset about how the New York Rangers are currently playing. And while it has not been good, I'm not excusing the behavior, I do think time will make this better. And all you have to do is give them some time. Come to me in a week. And if it's still this bad, then you and I are having a different conversation. But as of right now, like, one of the, okay, so concern number one is probably the defense from the forward group and the team defense as a whole. Concern number two is probably the scoring of this team that we think both those things will improve over time. And concern number three right now might be Adam Fox, which I have zero concerns about in terms of him simply turning it on when it matters most because that's what stars do. Like I, I, Ryan, I, I don't know. Like The highest level of concern I can have for something that I don't think involves a highly talented player simply just getting more time and playing out of whatever this, this lull is in his game, I can't think of one. I don't know. This is essentially the Igor conversation we were having for the last two weeks, except now we've moved on to the forward groups, which, again, I, I'm just not concerned about them. And I think I think the only thing I we talk about this with Molly um, is is the the defense from the forwards, but that comes with time. I, I think there are times where, and I I know this is going to sound crazy to trust Gerard Gallant after what we've said with him earlier this year, but I do think there are positions, and it's going to sound obscene what I'm about to say, so please stay with me. But there are times in games where you can kind of roll out like, okay, we're up two goals, like maybe we'll rotate Kane or. I don't know, Kako or even Lafreniere on the fourth line for a shift or two. And that's not me saying that this is a demotion for any of those players. It's more of, hmm, I think we could play the matchup and put put Goodrow up on a, a second line to be more of a grinder type, to be more retrieval type, and put Kane on a fourth line to roll just another insanely talented line where you could roll four spread out and evenly divided lines as you go. And I think if Gerard Gallant wants that option, he can. A lot of teams don't have that option. It's the first time I've ever thought about fourth line demoting, quote-unquote demoting, 
as possibly a strategy for the playoffs where it's, okay, I like this matchup if I have Goodrow in the second line and I put Kako down on the fourth and we have like Mott there and maybe I'll even switch up and move another defenseman up. Like there he can, or another, another defensive forward up and put BC up on the a second line left wing. And it's like, okay, I have a lot of different options to throw at whatever I think is doing the best. Like he can play the matchups. If the second line on the other team is having an awesome time, put the defensive line out there, shut them down. Well, roll the not, lines. but Ryan, not just that. I, I, I do think again, it's when you have nine forwards as talented as the Rangers do in their top nine, any combination you come up with, you're going to be like, well, now that's a good idea. But I do think some proof is in the pudding when he put Kreider, Trocek, and Kako together, that not only was that line going to create a lot of scoring opportunities because of the three guys we're talking about, and it's the line that tied the game up, but all three of those dudes I have faith in defensively. I know Kreider doesn't have the advanced numbers that would really support me saying that, but Trocek was brought in to be this guy, and Kako is such a possession monster that as long as he's able to get the puck on his stick, that is his best form of defense. And if you put those three guys together as your quote-unquote third checking line all while they can put the puck in the back of the net at the drop of a hat because of the talent of the three guys involved. It just, it wears an opponent down. If they have to go from Kreider, Trocek, Kako, then to a defensive shutdown line of Mott, Goodrow, VC. And that by the time you cycle back and now you get Vlad Tarasenko, who's throwing his body around more than I think I've ever seen him in the national hockey league playing alongside Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. And then you have to deal with, like, people want to say that Kane looks slow and lazy on the ice. Okay, how do you fix that? Put him with the fastest guy you have in Phil Heedle? Like, it, it, I, it, it's foolproof. The, this is the genius of Chris Jury, where he went out and got nine forwards, where any combination, Gerard Glant, he can't fuck it up. Like, it's the beauty of it. You, you literally... Give him so many fun things to play with that any combination he comes up with, you could talk yourself into it being a genius fucking move. It's wonderful. But I do think, I, 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 I bet more than anything, when the Rangers take the ice against the Capitals on Tuesday, that Kreider, Trocek, and Kako is still going to be a line, and Kane's still going to be playing with Hedo and Lafreniere, and Zibanejad's yep. still going to be playing with Panarin and Tarasenko. And we talk about, not, not to keep saying we talk about and then mention the guests that we have on the show, but... One of the things yeah, we've these done guys a really well, good job this time. Yeah. One of these things these guys need it's like it's 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 the chicken and the egg. They need time to play together in order to get in sync, but they haven't been looking good, and they've been looking so bad at different points that you have to change it up. I'm hoping the lines we saw at the end of the Pittsburgh game are the lines we get for the next two three games, and we get some run with it. But you know, again, it it's really nice to have such a strong safety net underneath this where any of the forwards the Rangers want to play with, I feel confident no one's going to be asked to do too much. I think that's fair. And I think you're right. I, and I like Tro- I kind of like playing Trocek with, with Kane. I know that, that that was the first line that they kind of tried with the Kane Panarin. Uh, but I actually agree with Gallant that maybe Kane and Panarin shouldn't play together just yet because they're trying to force it. It's just not natural enough. Well, they're I just- think... They're just I, trying to make each other happy too much. You, you can feel free to disagree with me on this point, but I think the best, the moments Trocek has looked best this year is when he's not playing with a true playmaker next to him. Think of think of the lines that we've been most excited about that involve Vincent Trocek. Usually, it's involved Chris Kreider, 
And I believe the first as was it was it Kreider Trocek VC? Yeah, that line ruled. Yeah, and it it's almost like Trocek, if he feels like he's playing with guys of similar skill sets, similar styles, his game gets accentuated a little bit better than if he feels like he needs to either be one a true defensive stopper or two just like a a a chew toy for the dog who is on his wing, and I. I don't know. There's something about Kreider, Trocek, Kako that really seemed visually pleasing and really controlled parts of that third period in a way that I, I just, I don't know. I, I think it, it, it clearly hasn't clicked Trocek, Panera, and whoever the fuck else is on their wing. And I wonder if it's simply Trocek just doesn't mesh well with a Kane or a Panarin. I don't know. I thought there player. was a couple weeks there where, where Panarin Trocheck. Like I think they had like a two weeks sp- like run where they were the best line for a couple weeks. But for the most part, since Kane got here, they just force it too much. It's like no, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, fine. I just I mean, it, the moments the moments Trocheck has looked like the Vincent Trocheck we were acquiring. It's usually been with Kreider and not Artemi Panarin. Hard to agree with that. And it's funny because we talked about last year players that aren't afraid to shoot the puck. Well, right now, Filipino's a little bit snake bit, and he can't figure it out. But I think Tarasenko, you see on that top line, would, they just kind of set him up for a shot from anywhere. It's like, hey, you're almost, over on the Almost circle? to a fault, though, where Zibanejad passed up on a shot on Sunday. I know. To feed Tarasenko. Sickening. Sickening. I just want selfish players, man. It's all I fucking want. Yeah. It, also, and- we promised we'd do this before we tossed the interview. Uh, we need to talk about Pittsburgh Media's obsession with Jacob Truba. It's uh, I don't know. Like, what is wrong with him? Have you ever seen anything like it? It can, all right. Well, I know we talk about Twitter, and not everybody listens to this is on Twitter. And, and good for you if you're not. I truly understand that. I'm envious. I, I truly am as well. And when we, we, I would say I think I've covered almost every single game the past two years. Take a couple nights to go do personal things um, here and there. But for the most part, I would say a lot of fan bases even. Other fan bases, like when I say something snarky, come at me, but it's very few and far between. And even then, like every fan base has assholes. Like that's not a surprise. We have assholes and everybody else does as well. We could play the Islanders. We could play the Bruins. We could play, uh, we could play the Devils. And nobody comes at me as nearly as hard as Pittsburgh Penguin fans. I don't really get it. And it's, if Truba does anything, I get a met, like, uh, I guess any other team, Penguin fans, Attack me. It's very confusing. It's uh, I, I know it looked it looked bad in the playoffs last year. It wasn't on purpose. It's very it also, clear. It also was rather clean. I, I don't it know was. What else, don't know what else to say. And yeah, the, I, hit, the hit last night? Clean. Totally clean. I would well, say it's gotten to a point now, Ryan, where it's a blood feud with the Flyers fans. Nobody will ever have number one in my in that spot in my eyes. Like it it's a literal civil war. If for some reason Philadelphia annexed itself from the United States of America and president, whoever the fuck was like, we need, we need volunteers to go into Philadelphia and smoke some shit out. I'd be among the first 10 that would volunteer just to finally be able to act some vengeance on that city. Would love it. That relationship only exists with one city. That's it. So they're number one. Truly though, Pittsburgh has become number two in my eyes, simply because these fans just won't shut the ever loving fuck up. Like it's, I, I have no problem. I respect the shit out of Sid. I respect the shit out of Malkin. I can appreciate the fact that that is a great franchise with storied history. The Mario Lemuse, the Yamir Yagers, the yada yadas, I hate the, whatever the, horn. the fucks. Oh my God. Oh, the goal horn. 
will send me into an institution. Let's go bad. No, I, I like I hear it in my sleep. It's it's hard to watch. It it's honestly, terrible. when it when, so Carolina uses it as well because Carolina has never had so one the, fucking so original idea in their goddamn life. Capitals but every time I hear it in Carolina, I get angrier at Pittsburgh. It's 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 I don't know. There's something about the Pittsburgh when it really does it for me. It's yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> really I, listen, they deserve the Pirates. That's really what it comes down to for me. That's uh, so mean. But it, <laughs> I, I don't give a shit. They deserve one bad thing in their life, and if it's going to be the Pittsburgh Pirates, cool. O'Neill Cruz is going to look great in a Minnesota Twins uniform. Yeah, that's I, probably where he ends up. Yeah, that's why I said it. But I just I, – the media aspect of it where, like, Canadian writers don't keep going at Chris Kreider. They don't. They've moved on. It happened and 10 I, years I, ago. I understand that why Habs fans boo him once in a while, but no one comes in my my mentions. Ha- oh, oh Canadian, Canadian fans come after me because okay. I, I, well. definitely, I definitely go out of my way to bring it up. <laughs> well, That's that for sense. sure. Right, yeah, okay. I, I, have a, I have a reputation I need to keep. So they come really? after me. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that. But even then, it's like joking, where it's like, you you don't fall feet first when you get tripped. Meh. And they say it in French, so it's even more pretentious and annoying. But with <laughs> Pittsburgh, like, if it was just the fans being pissy little whiny brats, fine. I get it. And this doesn't apply to our good friend Jesse Marsh, who's a guy. Marshall probably, who's a goddamn probably angel. on the show next Monday, yeah. Yeah, he's an, he's an angel. I love that guy. And like you said, we're probably going to be talking to him in a week where he's going to have jokes about this with us as well. But, it, like, there are some members of the media where it's like, well, it's Jacob Trouba for you. And I'm like, oh, Jake, you mean like you know a big body defenseman to hit, hit? You know how hard it is to hit clean in the NHL? And he it's does hard. He, he does doesn't it. leave his feet. He, the principal point of contact is the chest. I, it always looks worse because for whatever reason, and I'm sure I would play this way too, but this is why I'm not a professional hockey player, among other reasons. They're just looking down at the puck. They're looking down at their feet. So they don't see the hit coming, and they have no way to brace for it. I don't know. Keep your head up. Right. That is shit. I don't know what to tell you. I I don't know. I just – the media being as big of a whiny little tool as the fan base is when it comes to Jacob Truba doing anything. Ryan, if Truba scores a game winner in one of these two games coming up against Pittsburgh, I am stripping naked and jumping into the snow. <laughs> like, it, it's – it would – I – it would be the most important win of the year for my narrative, but not for the team. And I'd love every goddamn second of it. And I also don't think it's a coincidence that the New York Rangers certainly played better and stronger after Truba laid the wood. They did, in a big way. Um, all right. Let's go to the five-star questions. Are there any other topics we want to hit? Obviously, uh, three straight OTs, get five or six points. Not a lot to complain about in that sense, but I think we've said a bunch of the – we'd save a lot of the complaining for Molly – um. Yeah, and play the Penguins twice in Capitals. So Truba would be the Tin Man, I think. I think that's true. Who would, I think that's true. Who would be the Wicked Witch of the West? Panarin? No. What? Okay. No. The, that guy hasn't done anything mean in his entire life. Oh, but, like actually mean? Yeah. Not like a trickster? Elaine Vigneault? Hmm. If you threw torts? water on Elaine Vigneault, you think he'd melt? Torts? No? No, Torts is funny. Okay. Probably AV. I'm going to go AV. I think Vigneault oh. would make a good Wicked Witch of the West. Let's do some five-star questions, and then we'll get to Molly for the week. Um, we, I ignored this question last week, but I guess it is time to time to answer it this time. It's from Adam Furlong. Oh, if you want to leave a five-star question, go to Patreon, five-star question channel, subscribe, love you, bye. 
Uh, since we are keep going to overtime, and because you skipped this question last week, Ryan. Yeah, get called out more, why don't you? Yeah, seriously, Adam. Uh, what are the top four lines for 3v3? Uh, this is fun for me because, uh, again, no wrong answer. As long as yeah, it's, it's like, not... It's as long as it's not as much I as I love them, As much as it's not VC Goodrow or Mott taking a shift, there is no wrong answer. I think the most the most fun would probably be some combination of Zabenajed, Panarin, Fox. That's the one. That's the starter. Um, it, gets, and, it gets interesting after that. Yeah, and then it's like, I guess it would have to, it would depend on the flow. Like I think Heedle is a super dangerous three on three guy. And I would put Lafreniere with Heedle on the ice and probably Miller. Yeah, I like that too. And then if you really want to lay the wood at three-on-three, three, I think Trocek, Kako, Truba yeah, that's is a good certainly... One. But also, that's like, fun. here's the thing. You put Kane on any of those lines with anybody else. Like, you know what would be interesting? Going defensemanless and just do Zibanejad, Kane, Panarin. Or go centerless and do Fox, Panarin, Kane. Or do Tarasenko, Kane, Miller like there's it's one of those things where it's like ooh, this is fun where again as long as I don't see uh I don't want to see Ryan Lindgren I don't want to see Ben Harper I don't want to see Braden Schneider I really am fine with anything else you do with the defenseman and as long as it's not Mott VC or Goodrow do whatever you want it's wonderful that's what's so fun about having nine dynamic forwards like the Rangers do I'm actually going to ignore a question from Jets Rangers one who asked us to follow up on last week's question on why we think key is more important than Phil and laugh. There we did a whole BSBOT on it. You can go listen to the BSBOT. Uh, nice plug. Gray Red. Uh, was Manchester United versus Southampton the dumbest game you've ever seen? No, fuck that game. Um, not the dumbest, just super fucking frustrating. Where I am both. If you told me before the game started that Southampton would get a point against Manchester United a week after Man U lost. 7 nothing to Liverpool. Liverpool who, by lost, the way, so. lost to Bournemouth, lost. you stupid was, fucking asshole. I was you at had the bar. one I know. goddamn job. I know. Um, but if you told me the next week after Manu gets absolutely embarrassed by Liverpool that they would not get the full three points against Southampton, I'd say, cool, that sounds like a big win for Southampton. But then you remember that Southampton was playing a man up for 70 minutes and had, I believe, 17 different goal-scoring opportunities against Man United, and both teams put at least three balls off the post? Uh, yeah, no, I did not have fun. And then you add in the fact that Everton won, that Bournemouth fucking won. Like, Southampton got a point. Soccer. Southampton got a point against Man United and fell down to the bottom of the table. That sucks. Uh, uh, this is from iDecker998. Super important and not related to anything going on this season, but do you have opinions on how the Rangers don't actually use a goal horn and use a recording? I've been a fan for many years. I've got to experience MSG in per- I haven't gotten to experience MSG in person, but it sounds strange to me on TV. And it sounds awesome in person. I promise if you ever get a chance to go. You, yeah, you I, have, I have no opinion. I, really I have don't. no opinion. This is from our, our, our dear friend, Dan. But he said, based on this, is it time to panic? And it's from a, a link to a Reddit thread called, the Rangers have one regulation win in their last 12 games. And if you heard the, uh, the start of this po- uh, podcast, Dan, and if you did call me on my phone, and I actually picked up this week, we would talk about how it's not time to panic. Yeah, I even uh, Dan was on... Um... Playback with me, and I told him I'm not panicking. Yes, he also said, how much worse is it if we have to play the Canes in the first round, which could happen if the Devils jump them? Uh, it's not. We beat them last year, and they don't have Trocek this time. And I feel like we beat them plenty in the season this year. Like Again, the Canes, the Canes, we are the Atlanta Braves to their New York Mets. Like It doesn't matter what... 
the Canes are doing, how talented they are, where Until they are. Until they prove it otherwise, that's just that's where it is. Yeah, it's... some every team has a little brother. Ours is the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, this is Humble Ko- Koala. Uh, how, what does Gallant need to do to be the coach of this team next season? Is winning the cup even enough? I think, I don't want to say he's restored his chances of finishing out the third year with the Rangers. I think if you asked us a couple weeks ago, we would have said 1% chance. I think uh, Trotz signing in Nashville uh, puts a little bit of a damper on it. I think the Rangers will explore, and if they can't find something better, Gallant will be the option again next year. If the Rangers get swept in the first round or lose in five games or lose a non-competitive six-game series, he's out. He's out. If they get swept in the second round or lose a non-competitive five-game series, I think he's in danger um, not as confident he's out. If the Rangers get to an Eastern Conference final, I think he'll be given one more year. And if he gets off to a slow start, he's cooked. But I, I, he needs to get out of the first round, um, barring injuries. And I think he needs to be competitive in the second round, barring injuries. I, I'd say, I'd say anything short of an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, we're having most of our podcasts this summer being you know, salary cap related and whether the Rangers have a new coach. Agreed. Uh, this is from Exo. Is Lingren's absence also contributing to the 5v5 issues on offense? Since Fox doesn't have that kind of chemistry with Mikola, or is it strictly two major pieces need to gel and Ogallant is still a coach kind of thing? It's all of the things you've mentioned. It's yeah. Everything at the same time. And I think it's, it's, it's something we mentioned later on too, where like he's fucking tired. I, I don't know how else to phrase it beyond that, but... With Lindgren specifically out of the lineup, and the lineup including increased time for Nico Mikola and Ben Harper's existence, Galanis had to lean on Adam Fox, and I I think he he just looks tired. This is from Nick D. I actually like this question a lot. Every time I see Penn's fans start crying about Truba and calling him dirty, I'm reminded of Sean Avery. I can't think of a single dirty slash dangerous thing Avery did on the ice. He was a piece of shit but he was never malicious. Was Avery actually dirty or did people just come didn't like him and he got labeled as such? No, I think Avery was dirty and malicious. I think, I think it I was think highly were, entertaining. I so think I there was, were times it might've been rose colored glasses from Ranger fans. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, now I, I didn't do research and think of one, but Avery's reputation was well earned. Whereas Truba is simply doing something that isn't really happening in the NHL anymore. And he's kind of like a throwback in that respect when it comes to his hits. But again, his hits are clean. He's just a big fucking dude. Um, But like, he's not, Truba isn't doing stuff Tom Wilson is doing. And Avery definitely did some, just if he wasn't wearing a Ranger jersey, you would not have good memories of him. Probably not. All right. I think that's it. Want to get to our dear friend, Moai Walker? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can go on another 15 minutes about the Wizard of Oz. I have good. plenty of ammunition. I think we're okay. The Cowardly Lion <laughs> straight up did not know the words to one of the songs, so she kind of just did a... Was there a rehearsal? Oh, there were, <laughs> there were weeks worth. I was in on them. And I and during the rehearsals, I was like, huh, she doesn't really know the words of this song, but I'm sure it'll work itself out by opening night. And the lesson there, Ryan, is it didn't. But it I did loved not. every second of it. Fun. All right, we'll be back uh, in just a second with our dear friend Molly Walker. Transition. Hey yo, I'm here to talk about TickPick, my favorite ticketing website and the official ticket sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway. Looking to go to an upcoming Rangers game? Maybe one of them against the Capitals? Maybe one of them against the Pittsburgh Penguins? One of the two this week at MSG? You should use TickPick. You can download the app today. 
And you can get, using code BLUESHIRTS, $15 off your first purchase of anything in the app. That's right. $15 first off your first purchase. I, I love TickPick. They've been friends with us for a long, long time. They were our first original sponsor. Do you know that? That's a fun fact. Uh, and, of course, the best part about TickPick is that you can go to the app itself and check the game scores, A-plus seats, what's up, whatever's less, the value of the seats. They're ordered all in a row. Super easy for you to use. And best part, no fees. No fees. Hashtag no fees. The price you see is the price you get. So thank you to our dear friends at TickPick for sponsoring Belushi's Breakaway. We use TickPick to go to all our Ranger, our favorite Ranger games. You should too. So let me know if you use it, actually. Hit me up. Give me some feedback. I'll retweet you. Who knows what will happen? Madness, hysteria, cats and dogs getting together. Back to the show. Hey, we're back with our first guest of the day. We have Molly Walker of the New York Post. Molly, have you heard about the New York Rangers? <laughs> yes, uh, lots of talk, lots of things to discuss. And, People uh, talking uh, about them. They, yeah. are, are they gritty enough? Are they good enough? Can they take a lead? Um, I guess we'll start with that. Uh, what's been the vibe around the locker room since the trade deadline? Uh, and this team, which seemingly has found ways to win games over the past two years, one way or another, to get points one way or another, um, seemingly aren't just the offensive juggernaut we thought they would be after the trade deadline so far. All right. First of all, the five the vibes are still pretty great. They were immaculate right after the deadline, as you can imagine. I mean, everybody was hyped. You know, Alexi Lafreniere, Filipino, talking about playing with their idol. Like, that's just, you know, I can't even imagine what that must be like for those guys. Um, Patrick Kane is just on an absolute media tour everywhere we go, every city. It's just, you know, scrum after scrum after scrum. And I really can't put it into words how unbelievable he's been in terms of accessibility. So, um, shout out to Patrick Kane for that. And, uh, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> I guess is this is a team that has just, oh, we're going to have offensive firepower right. and has just been like, Hey, we'll play from behind. No big deal. Look, it's been three games with a full lineup with Patrick Kane. Like, let's put that in How perspective. How dare you tell me to calm down, Mom? <laughs> I expect the best with, of my team. <laughs> with, with reason and receipts, you know? Like, seriously, though, it's been three games with a full lineup with Patrick Kane. And Ryan Lindgren hasn't played in any of them. And Tyler Mott didn't play in one of them, I don't think. Nope. So you just got to put that into perspective here. And... Gallant is doing the right things and moving the lines around because it is not, you know, the early sample size hasn't hasn't been great. And by hasn't been great, it's been pretty bad. Um, so, you know, it's a work in progress and they have so much time left. Like they really do. But I mean, I just wrote this today. You know, time is of the essence. They're in this mini series with the Penguins now. And hypothetically speaking, if they lose all all of them. Uh, they could be in serious trouble of losing third place in the Metro. And that's obviously not what they want. Um, but I just feel like everybody should take a deep breath. And I feel like I'm saying this all the time, but it really has been three games with a full lineup with Patrick Kane. Give them all a second. Yeah, Molly, I've, uh, I, I don't think this is unique just to Ranger fans, just to New York sports fans. But I, <laughs> I, there's this prevailing feeling of yeah, buddhism that's going on with the Rangers lately that I'd, I'd like to dive into with you sure. because before this three game stretch that we're talking about where the Rangers, by the way, while they haven't left in regu- led in regulation, have gotten five of six points. That's yep. stone cold fact going into this. It was like, 
Well, it's great that the Rangers got all these offensive weapons at the trade deadline. Yeah, but Igor Shosturkin is struggling. And now with Igor and Halak playing better, it's the goalies are playing better. Yeah, but we're not really scoring as we thought we would. <laughs> and I guess my question is why – as a collective society, is it impossible for us to ever be happy? That's seriously the question. But it's true. That's a really great observation. And it, it kind of has been one or the other. And I, I, again, wrote this exact line today. Lord help the rest of the NHL when they do put it all together. And there's still time to do that. And I will be the first that, you know, when we're 10 games out or whatever it is from the playoffs and really it's dwindling and they are still looking how they do. I will be the first to be like, yeah, like this is this is bad. You know, they they need more time to ramp things up going into the playoffs because right now they're nowhere near playing a playoff style hockey or, or the way that they're capable of playing. And honestly, they haven't been playing that way since the All-Star break. But they're still comfortably in third. They're still winning games, you know, more often than not. So I feel like that does say something about the team and the way that it's made up. So I feel like just Give it some time. And, you know, I feel like there's a really good chance that everybody will be happy at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could see it already. Igor Shosturkin, I mean, even Halak. Halak's been awesome the yeah. second half of the year. I know uh, he didn't talk to the media last night. Sorry, Molly. But, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, but for the, he's been, for the most part, great. I mean, he's the reason they went to overtime last night, at least in my opinion, where he had a couple of amazing saves. And Igor Shosturkin seems like he's getting back to form. Um, I was never worried about Igor. I'm still not worried about Igor. But if both those goalies keep performing in the way they 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 have, I couldn't be I couldn't be less worried heading into the playoffs. I'm more worried about the defensive um, struggles, I guess, that the forwards have had. I think that's my number one concern right now: the turnovers and defensive struggles. But again, like you mentioned, these are just nitpicking things. Like this mm -hmm. this lineup. Sometimes when I when it gets posted, I'm like, am I dreaming? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, I uh, sometimes I look at it and I think it really could only be made in in franchise mode of, of NHL sports video games. Seriously, but you're right with Igor and Halak in particular. Um, if you have an advantage in net as large as those two are have shown, they're capable of giving the Rangers. You know, against guys teams that it looks like the Rangers could be facing, they're going to have the advantage, but. This team is built to outscore opponents as well. So that's kind of going to cost them defensively at times, no matter what, just because that's how they play. But this is, I mean, you talk about the fans. This is, this is nothing new. This is how they've been built. And in order to continue going forward, they need to embrace that. This is, this is what they have. You know, you want to talk about grit. You want to talk about things that they could have gotten at the deadline, more veteran, you know, defensemen, uh, a grittier forward or, or whatnot. But this is how they're built. This is it. So it, it's just a matter of putting it together, finding that rhythm and that groove. And if they do have that advantage in that, they will be able to get away with the, de with the defensive lapses at times because they're going to come you're not going to tell Artemi Panarin you know to play a different style that's why would you do that because he is who he is and you know he's getting he's the highest played paid player on the team for a reason so I just think that they they do need to embrace it and I think fans need to embrace it too because this is this is just how they're built and how they have been built
Ryan Lindgren, Molly. Mm. Um, I, I don't even think to call it the elephant in the room. It's more <laughs> of a curiosity at this point where anytime Lindgren comes out of the lineup, yep. it does feel a lot like Troy walking back into the room <laughs> with everything on fire from community. And I, I think the, this I, we've noticed it every time it's happened. It happened in the playoffs last year. It's happened in regular seasons before. The one that seems most surprising this time around is Adam Fox really does kind of look like a lost puppy without Ryan Lindgren this time. So can you speak to the importance of his role, not just on the ice, but has it been more noticeable this time that the Rangers are kind of just shrugging their shoulders in terms of defensive responsibilities? I feel like it's always so apparent whenever Lindgren is out of the lineup. For the last three years, I, I genuinely feel that way. Every single time, the team is is just not the same without him in, in a lot of different aspects. And you mentioned Adam Fox. I'm in a complete agreement. You know, for the first time in his, his career, I'd probably say he looks just great instead of unbelievable, you know? And there have been a lot of defensive turnovers for him, too. It's It's been probably one of the tougher stretches of his career. But Chris Kreider told me this was so funny. He, the way he described Lindgren is he's the straw that stirs the drink, which, you know, if you know Chris <laughs> Kreider, he speaks like that naturally. And I passed it off as that was a Chris Kreider original in one of my articles. But obviously, I'm 26 years old. I don't I didn't know that that was not not a Chris Kreider original. It's been said before. Um, but I co- I'm in complete agreement with that. I feel like Lindgren is really one of the backbone players of this team. And that puts the Rangers in such a difficult spot going forward with their cap situation, because how do they not prioritize him? considering what we've what we've seen somebody sent me uh their record with and without ryan lingren and i almost fell over (laughs) i mean it was really it was glaring it really was so you know there is no justification for the rangers not to prioritize ryan lingren when it does come time um for him to uh sign a new contract Uh, (laughs) just just to jump in before ryan because i want to i want to stay on the lingren point is this stretch in in your eyes if you're not going to break up Truba Miller when Fox is struggling without Lindgren to give Fox run with Miller, it's just never going to happen, right? Because I I, I don't know. I, I, this isn't a knock on Nico Mikola, who I think has actually played quite well. Me too. And, and has assimilated nicely to playing with a guy he's not supposed to be playing with. And I thought he played maybe his best game of the year against the Penguins yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if, if you see Fox struggling and Lindgren's not in the lineup – why wouldn't you just feed more minutes to Miller and move him up the lineup? Look, Gerard Gerard Gallant likes what he likes. And Miller Truba is one of the tears that he really likes. And when he gets hung up on that, you know, he's not he's just not going to change it. And I feel like with this Rangers team in particular is with the lineup the, the, I mean, the forward lines, they're, they've seen so much movement this season, The like nonstop, really. I, I mean, it's probably been at most 10 or 11 games that they've had the same lineup. Like, that's the longest stretch that they've ever gone. Um, so to have some continuity on the back end seems more important, I feel, which I kind of agree with. Um, but you're right. If it hasn't happened now, it's not going to happen. But I think that's more of a more of a telling sign of Gallant's coaching style than it is, you know, a, a, something that is regarding Miller or Fox individually. Like I think this is just Gallant wanting Truba Miller together and then wanting to, you know, plug 
lingering right back in with Fox because that's that's how he sees the D. That's how he wants the D. Um, and even, you know, the, the rest of the coaching staff, too. I'm sure it's the same way. I'm sure it's not just Gallant. Going to get to Gallant in a second, but I do want to speak just one more part about Adam Fox because it's one of my very extremely few worries right now. And it's funny because Igor Shosturkin is someone I'm just not worried about, but I do worry about Fox in just the slightest way. And what I mean by that is last year we kind of saw the same situation with Fox that I don't want to say he was run down, but he got injured in, I believe, a Blue Jackets game on a Thursday. No, you, should be, you should be saying run down. Sicko brain stuff that I remember that. But I agree with you. Like he, it, He's playing a lot of minutes, yeah. and he's not... This is not an, this is not be trying to be offensive to to Adam Fox. He is not an, a world class built athlete. Mm. I've seen his calves. Like he is <laughs> he is he is a magical hockey player. He plays with his brain and has yeah, unlimited cardio. Mind. Right. Yeah. Unlimited one, cardio. One hundred percent. But for the most part, like I can see him breaking down, and I know how hard the playoffs are going to be for him. I, my big concern is how do we shelter Fox and and to to extent some other players for those last couple games. So this is one of the narratives that the Rangers are facing when they go into the playoffs, especially if they do end up getting bounced in the first round somehow. Was the move for Patrick Kane worth it by running the rest of the lineup into the ground? That's definitely going to be a narrative that they're facing if they aren't able to pull it together in the playoffs, because I do think that that's going to be a factor, especially just watching the decor right now. They do look gassed, and as does the rest of the lineup. They played four, five, four games, five games, whatever it was, shorthanded, or you know, a game where they had two players glued to the bench, Schneider and, and Carpenter, for trade, you know, whatever roster management reasons, whatever they said. Um, is that all going to be worth it if Patrick Kane isn't that crazy difference-making player, and the rest of the team is absolutely gassed in the playoffs? Um, I think that I, you know, in theory, you'd like to think that they'd be, they'll be able to get some rest whenever they can, you know, Gallant already isn't a guy that has a lot of practices, um, but it's going to be crucial for them down the stretch to really manage minutes, you know, uh, the whole NBA load management thing. I definitely think the Rangers are going to be uh, a team that needs to be considering that. And they did at the end of last season too. I think it was like, I mean, it was like literally the last three games, but, um, they did do it. So I, I expect it to be the same sort of case this season. Molly, uh, it, it's something Ryan and I talk about a shitload on the <laughs> podcast, but I'm curious to get your take. Just going to read you the upcoming schedule. Uh, (laughs) Washington, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Carolina, Carolina. My question is, who hurt the schedule makers? (laughs) Who who did this? Why? Yeah, no, I wrote it. I wrote it. Uh, during the All-Star break that the Rangers probably had the toughest second-half schedule out of anybody. But you know what? I think that it's probably a good thing just because, you know, they want to see, we all want to see how they stack up to the upper echelon teams in the, in the league. And I think it's instead of, you know, beating on, you know, under 500 teams, if they're able to beat on above 500 level teams, not only is that going to give them more confidence, but it's going to be a feel like a more accurate evaluation of them going into the playoffs when they're going to be playing that, you know, crazy high level hockey. Um, But yes, it's a ridiculous lineup coming up. And especially this little mini series with the Penguins, it has playoff position implications if they get swept by the penguins in the next three games and i think the penguins have a game against montreal and then the rangers have washington um say they lose the washington game and the penguins win the montreal game which is you know that's probably that's a possible that's more than a possibility um it it could be pretty bad news for the rangers in terms of where they're sitting right now 
Molly, the cynic would say the Rangers uh, needed overtime to beat both the Flyers and the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throwing that out there in the we're not even beating on the little guys <laughs> comment right now. No, it's it's a valid point. It It really is. But again, it's still early days, you know, so the fact that they they still came out with wins, though, you know, that's the thing. Like if they're able to find a way, you know, that's just that's also something that they shouldn't apologize for. Um, They do have that, you know, rallying DNA in them. We saw it all last season and in the playoffs as well. Um, And again, you know, it's just it's just how they're built. And then the words of our Timmy Panarin, it's the Rangers. It's normal. You know, like NYR finds a way. It's so similar to Jurassic Park where it's just they just but it's been this way since the start of last season. Yeah. It's like, hey, this team sucks, but they just keep winning. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But sucks is a stretch, you know? No, I know. But it's just funny to watch them be like totally dismantled, look awful, unengaged, disinterested, sloppy, turnover. And then it's like, oh, it's 2-2 at the third. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, you're, you're talking. We were just talking in the press box last night. We were like, when was the last time we had like a, a, a comfortable, you know, gamer, a comfortable third period where we weren't sitting there waiting? To, it was to Vegas. See, li- yeah, literally waiting to see what we could write um, because every game is down to the wire for them. They just don't make it easy on themselves. And, you know, that's just how it's been lately. And. I think it builds some character, you know? You look, oh, it's character it's, building. It's That's char- for sure. We're character building here, you know? So <laughs> I think that we're going to, if, if, you know, they end up making another run in the playoffs, we're all going to be looking back on this time. We were all freaking out for nothing, you know? Like, it just needed time to fall into place and that's all that it is i you know i don't even know if the lines that they've put out there are the ones that it should be i haven't been impressed with anything and except for the fourth line which is so exciting i think for the rangers especially after they basically had an identity crisis for the fourth line and that's been their best line the last two games that line rules oh my god i love it i love the vc goudreau connection tyler mott is an absolute pest um, and it, it just has been working. They've been holding the zone better than every other line, which Tyler is Mott pretty is crazy. Tyler two times the player when he's a Ranger. Yeah, I don't know what true. it is. No, but, it's but true. <laughs> even watching his forecheck last night, it's like, is he still going? Yeah, he's still checking. <laughs> when, like when we when we spoke to him for the first time um, since his injury, you know, he made a point to say something to the effect of, I'm still going to be playing with the same passion, the same excitement, just as hard as I He was like, it was, you know, to put a pin in it, after all the excitement of coming back, he was obviously upset about it, but he wanted to get the point across, I'm still going to be playing that exact same way because he's so hyped to be here. It's, it's pretty evident. Molly, you mentioned... You mentioned that you think it's, uh, not to put the words in your mouth, and I don't remember the exact phrasing, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but you said it's probably a good thing the Rangers have been uh, juggling the lines a little bit because they Mm -hmm. haven't been able to find any kind of cohesion. Yeah. Wouldn't the counterpoint to that be part of the reason they're not finding cohesion is because we're juggling the lines every two periods? Definitely. But to be fair as well, the early signs have been really bad. Oh, no. You're, you I, know? I, you're, you're, not, yeah. you're not wrong. I, yeah. I, like, I just, you know, I, 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 it's like egg, chicken or the egg situation here. Right. Where it, I'm not saying it's been good. At the same time, it also isn't being given a chance to get better. Right. And I do agree with that point. And I do think that there's there's truth to that for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that original alignment come back up at some point in the next 17 games, 16 games, whatever it is. Um, But really, the the early signs just with the it was the turnovers, I think, that were just so 
glaringly, you know, and, and at the same time, you got to also know who the head coach of this team is. Gallant is looking to win every single night. So, and he said to us the other day that he was actively trying not to switch the lines because he knows that he does have to give them a little bit of time. So that's why I do expect to see them again. Um, but he, he also said that the, that they just keep going at the rate that they're going, which they did. He really has no choice. I mean, the turnovers are so costly. They're ugly and it's just, it's not, it's just not working for them. So, um, you know, rather get, you know, a, try to spark the lineup and get a, another look at a different combination. It's like knocking, you know, two birds out with one stone. Um, so I do think that it is the right thing to continue experimenting. But, you know, I also would like to see more time between Kane and Panarin and, you know, the top line with Tarasenko as well. But I, I said I'd also like to see them switched because Gallant said that he knows what his perfect lines look like. And I'm pretty confident that that's Kreider and Zibanejad, Panarin and Trocek. And then why not just flop Kane and Tarasenko um, as, as, a, as another starting point going forward? I'd like well, to see that. I will say, I mean... It... Once he put Trocek, Kreider, and Kako together in, I think it was the third period, that was the most noticeable line the mm-hmm. Rangers had that wasn't the fourth line mm-hmm. uh, for the entirety of that game. They, I understand part of it is, you know, Trocek's uh, playoff edge coming mm-hmm. out a little bit early. I think that's that's probably the New York terminology we should <laughs> use for his hit on Malkin, whereas I think uh, Pittsburgh would say something else. Also... Were you ever fearful for your life that as a credentialed member of the New York media, you'd get blamed for something Jacob Trouba did on the ice on Sunday? I honestly, Greg, I cannot even go on record and talk about that. <laughs> because because I just, I, I don't want to get myself in trouble. I don't want to offend anybody. But I mean, I just, I I don't have anything to say. Yeah, Ma- Molly, I think I'll, that, I'll, that says everything you need to know. I will take the pressure off your shoulders. I have no problem go being ahead. this guy. Please, oh, no, no, I won't, even, I won't do it while you're on the podcast i'll, I'll do it no, we did it earlier it was yeah, like, okay. i promise you i'll do it earlier and then it'll all lead to this point i can't even i can't even go there i really can't because i do have so much to say but i just i just can't i'm sorry Boy, us too. good thing we have the first opening of this, of this podcast so. uh, good good honestly warranted i get it i um, i just as soon i i found that picture of the seagulls from finding nemo just like staring that- at the camera and i was like uh yep nope this is perfect i got it Tweet, tweet, tweet. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We, and then it was just oh chef's yeah. kiss that it happened. We have to change the top with the topic before okay. I, before I say <laughs> something. We um, really, we, Greg, you're really, you're backing me into a corner here. You're making it, <laughs> you're making it so difficult for me right now. Do I not get our guests in trouble, I'm Gregory. not taking the bait. I'm not okay, taking all right, the all right, bait. All right, shock <laughs> Shock podcasting right here. Got it, um, got it, got it. Here, let's do some more shock shocking. I'm going to give credit to Gerard Gallant. And um, over the next... Over the last couple of games, I, I, I usually I'm kind of against line blindering. I think he's done the right thing. But have you been surprised that he's been so reluctant to change the power play all year long when fans begged and cried and moaned <laughs> and bitched um, and did everything they could? And he read the articles. He commented on reading the articles. I know. And, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? I'll change it up completely. And not only that, but took did something amazing, which yes. was just decided I'll leave Adam Fox out there no matter what. Yeah, no, I really like it. I really, 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 really like it. Um, And I think for Gallant, you know, just, you know, taking what I what I've learned about him in these two seasons covering him. 
I feel like that the additions, of, I mean, well, he started making changes as soon as Tarasenko came in. So I feel like he looked at Tarasenko as, you know, the shoot shot first guy that he's supposed to be in this unbelievable goal scorer that he's supposed to be. And he felt like he needed to spread the wealth. You know, you at that point, if you have the opportunity to, um, you know, you, that's that's when you make the move. And he put Heedle up there and, and had Tarasenko um, on the other unit and... I think that that's just what he's going for. I think that's what he was waiting for. You also have to remember that that top unit that he rode like horses at the beginning of the season had been together for so long, you know, you know, pre-established um, and a, a successful unit as well. So I think that that was also just a natural, you know, way of thinking that I should just, you know, be trying to ride these guys. But it, it obviously wasn't working and he was still reluctant to change it. But I think what changed the dynamic for him was having Tarasenko and Kane c- come in and him looking at it, at it as, wow, now I can, I have, now I have two power play units because we all know that he, you know, doesn't show as much trust into the kids as he does his uh, veterans. Um, understandably, I guess, but um, I feel like that's probably what was the uh, difference maker for for Gallant. I guess the last question, last Ranger question for me, Molly. This is <laughs> something Ryan and I talked about last week. Uh, because the remaining games are in this awkward limbo where they they are important if they're not playing well, but not important if they are playing well. Mm-hmm. How much of a break between now and the playoffs do you see? Igor Shosturkin getting. I think Ryan and I said essentially we see the rest of this year going two games on, one game off for Igor. I'm not 100% sure because, I mean, like, look, also to the point, haven't had that many opportunities to speak to Igor lately and ask him about, um, you know, what's been going right for him, what he feels like has changed. But I would imagine that there's a lot of dialogue between him and, and Benny Allaire and what he's comfortable with. If he, Because he's also the type of guy that strikes me that he wants more time to ramp up his game. That's just like from what I've learned about from talking to him, seeing him play, talking to people who have played with him, you know, earlier on his, in his career. Um, he just strikes me as that kind of guy. So I think that's a possibility. Um, I, I really don't see the way that they split the workload changing that much, to be honest with you. I think it, they will, you know, continue on the schedule that they were already going to be using going forward. Cause I really think that Igor, now that he's starting to get into a rhythm, he's going to want to keep that up. You don't really want a cold Igor Shesterkin going into the playoffs naturally, but it is really comforting for the Rangers and the coaching staff knowing that Halak is waiting there in the wings and it was obviously very strategic that Halak played uh, in Pittsburgh and not Igor. So that was, that was definitely made a choice made for a reason. (laughs) Do you, do you want to speak at all to Igor and Halak seemingly not talking to the media very much just because I know from an outsider perspective, it's very easy for someone to say, what is one of these guys going to say in a post game scrum anyway, at the same time, there is somewhat of a responsibility on the player to take a question if they are asked and you have a job to do. I'll put it this way when it comes to the goalies and, you know, maybe at a later date we can get into the whole locker room if things don't change going forward. But with the goalies in particular, this is the quarterback. This is the starting pitcher in every other sport. Those guys don't speak no matter what win or lose. It's a story. And like Larry tweeted the other night, 
it's it was a, a normal expected thing that the goaltender who played that night speaks after the game, win or lose. Why Halak wouldn't want to speak after an unbelievable game like that? I mean, obviously they lost, but still, Halak had an unbelievable game. It's it's still it would be a little bit easier for him to talk about it when he did everything that he possibly could have to give the Rangers a chance to win. But that's how I think that a lot of people don't see it. It's it's the one of the most important players on the ice. Um, so that's just where we're coming from as, you know, reporters. And yeah, we do have a job to do. But I mean, it's just it is a little disappointing that people don't really see it as, you know, it's accountability. And it's also... We are the spokespeople between the fans and the team. You know, you're always complaining about, you know, we're not asking the right questions or, you know, and whatnot. But if we don't even have an opportunity to, that's, you know, the only people that's people that are affected here are the fans. So that's just where we're coming from. And with the goalies, seriously, it's the most important player on the ice. They have to be available. And Igor Shostakovich was the game the other night in Buffalo. Artemi Panarin scored the OT winner, and both of them didn't speak. And it's like, ah, oh, that's that's not that's not that's not good for us. It's it's not fun. Not a fun time. But we'll see. Hopefully, it'll be a little bit better going forward. Molly, I know we have to cut you short. We could do this for another two hours, <laughs> uh, but I appreciate you taking the time. Why don't you plug what you do and we'll get out of here. Uh, sure. You can read me in the New York Post at nypost.com. Follow Ever me on Twitter. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, Molly Walker, two E's, two R's, and catch us on Up in the Blue Seats, too, uh, on, for our podcast. Who's, One day. Who's winning the tournament, Molly? Uh, don't ask me that. <laughs> I already did. I already did. Oh, all right. So you're going to get on Yarrow got, and Igor for aborting a question. I got Duke. Is Duke, in, is Duke in it? I got Duke. Duke, Duke is in it. I'm not picking right. Duke. No, don't, Duke. don't ask me that question. All right. Oh, we got to go. We'll talk okay. to you later. All right. See ya. <laughs> it's the end of the show, which you know at this point, I sort of dread sometimes reading a hundred names, getting most of them wrong. And actually, a few of you reached out to me this week and, and told me that you lost access to the NHL Insiders chat on Discord. There was some sort of weird glitch. I had about six people reach out. Should be back now. Something something happened. But if, if there's a problem, reach out to me. And if you're one of these names, you're probably in that chat where we talk about all the leaks. And uh, I mean, the leaks have been slow. It's been like, hey, is Ryan Linger coming back? <laughs> I think he is now. Uh, but if it's probably the, my favorite place to talk hockey online. Matty Jack and all my dear friends. So without further ado, Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cotrullo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach. Someone messaged me this week and told me, here's how you pronounce my name. And I'm going to look back right now and make sure I get it. You can listen to me click. I don't re-record these. I kind of just go I, I go at it. And who is this? Oh, uh, maybe this wasn't it. Whatever. Adam, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Alexander, Amber Cohen, Andrew Ronner, Anthony Montmaturo. I think that's the third different way I've said that. Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber. Bill Olson, Bill Rattel, Billy Huff, Brandon Lackos, Bragdon, uh, Brandon Magnum, Breck Ranger, B- Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris ha- Finelli, Chris Howard, C.J. Stelligan, Conrad Pudevich, Daniel Dizan, David Dare, uh, da- da- David Delaney. Why was that so hard? David Aaron and David Siegel, Dennis Deitch, Jerry and Eric Stagg, Grip Grandier Cup, Garrett Reyes, Greg Gets McFly, Harry Hayek have waivers happen before Ryan watched Miracle, Slev watched Miracle, Handle, Harrison Hasco, Hippie 89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, Jack. Ba- Bagley, I still want to call you Bagel. I don't know why. I'm so sorry. James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Zambratsky, Jay Citrin, 40. Shout out to Blue Path. JD. 
Jean-Jacques Francois Jean-Jean. I think I've really nailed that one at this point. Jimmy Max, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh, K Josh, Josh Kestenbaum, Joshua Zarkin, Justin Freeber, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg. Oh, no. Oh, no. Week two. Okay. Uh, Leshik Gronowski. Nailed it. Yes. Woo! Lieber's Kayak, Luigi Ardano, Lucas K, Mac, Mac, Mark Popic, Matthew Goodwin, Ma Matthew Kine, Meatball the Cap, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Mancuso, Mike Posternak, Mike Smith, Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, OP, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kojarev, PJ Sisparo, Pro Wilson Gamer, Randy Tester, Samo, Scottish Grant, Strong Target, Stigble Box, Swingard, Tog Seamus. Man, I suck at that one. The Drop PK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy. Tadishi? Pause? Tadishi. Tadishi. Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Tristan, Tristan Wells, Vinny Rocco, Vinny Hay, Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Red Traver. Bark, 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 bark. Boy, that segment's got really long. Thank you all for supporting the show. Can't do it without you, seriously. It's uh, how we keep the show going. Appreciate you a lot. We'll be back with BSBOT. We're actually going to do Wednesday night this week. So, uh,. Because of the tournament, some things going on, some personal plans. We'll be recording the day before the weekend games. So we'll have some things to react to in the Capitals game and more on Wednesday night. Of course, all the fun. So we will see you then. And then next week, I mean, we'll probably react to Rivalry Week versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. All right. Love you guys.